wherever possible, if you can kneel with me, uh, let's have this prayer before I begin. Father, once again, I praise your name and thank you for bringing us together here. And now as we open your word and we study it, uh, please be with all of us. Open our hearts, uh, make us sensitive to your work. Uh, may we, Lord, listen to your voice through everything that's going to be said here. This is my prayer, Lord, that uh, the ideas and the thoughts that I convey through my words uh, may not be my own, but may your spirit guide me and use me as your instrument. Uh, bless each and every one of us here today. It's my prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. The text that Sister Clover read from John 13, 3 to 5, and then 12 to 17, talks specifically about this moment where Jesus was doing the, the ceremony of the foot washing with his disciples. And he was teaching them about it, and he was telling them what the meaning of it was. And uh, he was actually teaching them, giving them the example. Because at the end he said, do you understand what I did? If you do, you better do it. It's for your good. You should practice it. You should exercise this. Now, a couple of years ago, not long ago, the University College of London, London in, in, in England, conducted a study attempting to measure precisely what, personals, what people's personal space is. So in other words, how close is too close? How close can an individual get to another before the second individual starts to feel uneasy with the situation? How close is too close? And the study referred, uh, the, the study tested the blind, the, the blind, uh, sorry, let me. The study referred above, it tested the blinking reflexes of 15 subjects, 15 people aged 20 to 37. And an electric pulse was applied to uh, a specific nerve, nerve in one of their arms, okay? So there was a specific uh, nerve that received this electric pulse. And the closer their hand got to their faces, the bigger the blinking reflex was. So the, at the conclusion of this study, they came up to the understanding that it is between 20 to 40 centimeters, depending on the person, that's the personal boundary of every person. That's the boundary of the personal space bubble of every person, between 20 to 40 centimeters. Now, this study was conducted in England, right? And I would think that Canadians probably see themselves as a little more uh, friendly than the British. But still, personal space is something very important and highly prized by Canadians. And I must confess this, that I never thought about this coming from Brazil, right? We really don't care about it. We talk like this to people. We yell at them, <laughs> and we, we tap on their shoulders, and we, it's, it's very, uh, a lot of gesture, a lot of physical touch and everything. But I learned that we need to respect this when you come up here. Personal space is something really prized. Richard Gifford, is, he's a professor of the University of Victoria, here in Victoria, uh, British Columbia, and he studied personal space extensively. And he says a number, that there is a number of other factors that play into feelings around what is too close. So he says that the correct distance varies with person, varies with the other person, 
with the social situation, the culture, and, his, uh, and what they're talking about, and etc. And people sometimes have a hard time explaining what this personal space thing is. But they all know that it's important, right? We learned, according to Professor Gifford, we learned these rules as we were growing up, but we can't really state the rules. We just learn them as we go along. Now, taking from that, I want you to think about something. Jesus, as we see in the Bible, he quite frequently, he crossed the boundaries of personal space. And he did it with no regrets. He would basically come within the personal space of someone. He would not apologize for that because he would do that with the purpose of saving them or reaching out to them and saving them. He would reach out. He would physically touch people. He would not apologize for that. But there was always a blessing involved in the process. Jesus touched and was touched by others. Jesus crossed the personal space boundaries of some people to heal, to restore, and to bless. Now, the Lord also came within the personal space of people to encourage them. There is a passage here, if you can turn your Bibles to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 23, verses 10 and 11. And this is a situation where Paul and the apostles were almost being killed by the, by the crowd, right? And they were there in a dire situation. And the commander, as verse 10 says here, there arose a great dissension. The commander, fearing lest Paul might be pulled to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and bring him into the barracks. But the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, What? Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at home, at Rome. So the Bible is saying here that Paul had always almost been killed. He was snatched from the crowd, was brought into safety. And that following night, the Lord appeared to him. And the Bible says that the Lord stood by him. And you know, in modern, uh, modern uh, understanding, we can say, oh, the Lord was standing by him, was, was giving him some support. Well, that's one interpretation. But the original uh, word here in the Greek means that the Lord was really next to him physically. So the Lord came right next to Paul, came in contact with him because the Lord wanted to encourage him and be of good cheer, Paul. Don't be afraid. So many studies have been conducted about the, the benefits of touching, of physical contact. And of course, we must acknowledge that whenever Jesus would come in contact with people, there was something beyond his physical touch. There was a redemptive element. There was a supernatural, a miraculous cleansing of disease and pain by the healing power of God. However, one cannot uh, deny that there was this human factor involved, right? There was the power of the Holy Spirit, there was spiritual power, supernatural power, but the physical touch of Jesus was the human element, was the instrument by which he would heal people, he would bless people. 
It was the physical touch of someone who cared for others. Now, thinking about all of this, let's transfer all of these concepts to what we read in the scripture reading this morning. Jesus at the Lord's Supper, Jesus at the foot washing, Jesus at the the Passover as they gathered together for that. It was time to celebrate the Passover. It was the most sacred of the Jewish feasts. Jesus and his disciples had just gathered for the meal. And since the streets and the roads of Palestine were plain dirt and and dry weather, they were inches deep in, in, in dust. And in wet weather, they were like liquid mud, slush. The shoes of that day were very simple, as we know, and they were basically just a flat sole, and and they were held onto the feet by just a few straps. So every walk in the streets would soil their their feet. Now, just inside the doorway of most homes, there was a basin of water with a towel. So usually when visitors would come to the houses, there would be a servant would go there and humbly offer to, to clean people's feet as they entered the house. Now, on that night, when Jesus gathered with his disciples for the meal, none of them was willing to carry that menial task of washing other people's feet. There was no servant in the, in, in the place, and none of the disciples was willing to do that. They were too much thinking about the kingdom of God. They had set, uh, the the talk that they had, had set their imaginations on fire with dreams of thrones and of power and of glory and all things related to a kingdom. So the the Luke, the, the gospel of Luke tells us that the disciples were engaged in a dispute as to who, as to which of them would be the greatest in the kingdom of God, the kingdom that Jesus would soon be inaugurating, according to the thinking. And no one dared to assume the role of a servant and to carry out the courtesy of washing feet. John thirteen three to five, John thirteen three to five reads. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things to him, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So here we have Jesus, the King of Kings, is here washing the dirty feet of his disciples and drying them with a towel. Here is the king whose scepter, his symbol of, a ter- of authority and power, is a towel. Washing his disciples' feet was no isolated event. What he did that night in the upper room vividly portrays the whole journey he made from the Father into the world and back into the Father. Back to the Father. John says that Jesus rose from supper just as he had risen from his eternal throne. Jesus laid aside his garments just as he laid aside his glory in heaven. 
Jesus laid aside his garments just as he had chosen to lay aside his privileges as the Son of God. Jesus wrapped a towel around himself just as he wrapped around himself our humanity. Jesus then washed his disciples' feet, performing the most menial act of service, just as the next day he would be dying for the degrading human race and dying the degrading death of a common criminal. In that room, that night, the eternal Son of God, the King of all creation, stripped off his garments and got on his knees to wash the dirt feet, dirty, uh, the dirt from the feet of men who should have been serving him, actually. But his act was nothing new because that, that's what he did all of his life. It symbolizes the whole of his career while here on earth. However, the act of Jesus was not only given as an example. Jesus gave us an example, but he also gives us, gave us a command. John 13, verses 12 through 15. John 13, 12 through 15. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so am I. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. So Jesus is saying plainly and clearly here that it was not only an example, but he's saying you also ought to wash one another's feet. Something happened, something else happened when Jesus touched those men and bathed their feet. It was a symbol of the cleansing they needed even though they had been baptized already. Jesus said to Peter in a conversation that we didn't read, it's actually between the, the, the two passages we read. Jesus said to Peter, if I wash you not, you have no part with me. So the same invitation and the same command and the same example that Jesus left with his disciples is also coming down through the ages all the way to us today. Jesus is also inviting each one of us today that we may come to him and accept the cleansing, the healing touch that he has to offer. So do you want that? Do you want the cleansing, the healing touch of Jesus Christ? Maybe between last communion service and today you've picked up some dirt in your life and you need to be cleansing. You need this foot washing service for that. Or perhaps you need this cleansing as a reminder of what your baptism means. If you are a committed disciple of Christ, you want to have a part with Him today. So here is the invitation. We are invited to wash each other's feet. We are invited to break bread together. We are invited to share in the grape juice that represents the blood of Jesus and the bread that represents His body. We are invited to follow Jesus' example and to partake in the symbols of His body and cleansing blood.
But there is more than just remembering the past. You know why? Because even though we say that the blood and the grape juice, that the, the bread and the grape juice are symbols of the body and blood of Christ, we know that they are just symbols, right? When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that doesn't mean that Jesus is literally in the way you walk on. When Jesus said, I am the door, he, we know that he's not physically in the door. So Jesus is not physically contained in this uh, bread, nor in the juice that we're going to drink. There are symbols of his great sacrifice for us. And as we partake of these symbols, we remember the sacrifice he made for us. But we also remember that when we eat the bread, it is as if we're eating the body of Jesus in the sense that we are feeding from him. We're feeding on his word. And there is even more about, about it than what I've just said. It is more than just remembering the past. There is also looking to the future. Because Jesus made a promise not only to the believers gathered there in the upper room, but a promise to you and me as well. I am not sure that, I am not sure what all we'll do when we get to heaven in those first days that we get there. But one thing I know, I know that you and I have a dinner invitation. We have a dinner reservation with the Lamb. And I believe with all of my heart that shortly after returning to heaven, we'll all sit down on, we'll all sit down at a table. And it's not just going to be any table, but it's going to be a table that the Lord Himself will have set, will have laid out. And it's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And there is no higher form of fellowship than to partake of a meal together and will be invited to partake of that meal with him and Jesus said that he is not he was not going to have a meal like that like the one he had with the disciples until we're gathered with him again in heaven can you imagine none of the disciples had that privilege again because Jesus soon returned to heaven and they will have it only when we join them and we join with Jesus up there in heaven. So here is God's invitation to, and to you and I that we partake of the communion service today, which includes both the foot washing and the eating of the bread and the drinking of the juice, the grape juice. Now in the Adventist church, everyone is invited to participate in the communion. Uh, it, is, it is always recommended that you, that you do this with a spirit of prayer, right? That you meditate upon the symbols, that you, that you understand why you're doing this. And that's why I preach today specifically on the foot washing. That we understand why we are doing this. You know, today we have shoes and uh, even, even in the, the winter, uh, we come into our houses, we come into places with our feet basically clean, right? They don't really get dirt, dirty. But... It's an act of humbleness. It's a humbling act to kneel down and to wash someone else's feet. Someone we may, may not have too much, uh, uh, even too much intimacy with. But it's a humbling experience that we are all invited to participate. So you're welcome to participate. 
and understand what we are doing. And by doing this, we'll be serving each other. We'll be showing, we'll be showing our respect and our love and our fellowship to each other. And I pray that you all be blessed by this experience today.